Hi, my name is Jeff Redding. I'm a preaching elder here at Walton Community Church in Monroe, Georgia. Before we begin the sermon, our church would like to invite you to join us as we gather every Sunday morning for worship at 10 a.m. You can learn more about our church on our website at waltoncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening. All right, WCC, let's go ahead and open up to Leviticus. We're going to be in chapter 13. Um, Leviticus 11 through 15 deals with how to be ceremonially clean before Yahweh. Uh, I need to calm some nerves immediately. Some people are expecting I will preach all the way through 15. They asked. Some are very nervous about chapter 15. You can look ahead and look at the titles and figure out why very quickly. Um, But there's no way I can get to that. I was hoping to just gloss to a very big summary of some gross stuff and then be done and get to 16, which is the highlight, I think, of Leviticus. And I would even say the highlight of the first five books of the Old Testament, the Torah. I really think that Leviticus 16, this day of atonement, is central to Moses' writings, But I want to read a lot of these verses, and I don't want it to be laborsome, and there was no way I could do 13, 14, and 15 um, at fast speed within like 45 minutes. And we usually don't do 45-minute sermons here. Um, We could, but I'm not going to do that to you in Leviticus. So we're just doing 13 today, okay? You can say thanks be to God. So what we find in chapter 13 is the law concerning leprosy or or skin diseases here. This word leprosy used in Leviticus catches a lot. It it catches various skin diseases like eczema, um, but also like mildew that grows in the home. So when we look at this word in the Old Testament, it's not always what you think about when you think about leprosy, of how the nerves have dulled, how some um, digits might fall off someone. Um, This includes a whole lot more in this book. And I just want to come up and say that up front, because as we look at this, it's not going to really equate in your mind to what you probably already have there. Now Leviticus in this section deals with how to be ceremonially clean before the Lord. This is the great mystery, the great thing for them to solve. How can a people live before a holy God? And in in our culture, we're very presumptuous on how we can live before our God. Um, A beautiful thing about me being a chaplain is I I have a badge that says spiritual care. Um, I don't wear scrubs. And everyone knows me by now as I'm that person that's religious that walks around the hospital. And I seek to be as loving and as kind as I can be. I love my job. I think I text message my wife almost every day how I love it. It's awesome. Um, But sometimes there are some conversations that I I, I want to kind of just shake the person or myself and, and, and read my Bible and weep and rock myself with comfort. Because some of the presumptions we have are we're always good with God no matter what we do. He understands how we feel. He understands how we think. There's a justification and a license for why we are the way that we are. And there are some things in our life that we choose and there's some things in our life that happen to us regardless of our own desire, will, or thoughts. 
not many Israelites sign up for skin diseases here. I imagine you wouldn't want to say, sign me up for a skin disease. I want a rash. I want to be bald. I want hairs to be different colors. I want to have weird smells. People don't line up for this saying, give me a skin disease. But regardless of decision and feeling, we still find that one must remove themselves from Yahweh if they are not whole. If I were to ask you today, are you healthy? That is a very open question. If you were to ask me, are you healthy? I have to know context. Do you mean medically speaking? Am I exercising? Am I dieting? Am I monitoring monitoring my life? Kind of. I'm still young enough to where I can get away with it. I'm starting to be a little more intentional about how much sugar I do. I'm starting to do push-ups now in my office where no one can see the pathetic attempts that I'm doing as, as I get to number 11. If you were to ask me, how are you doing healthy mentally? That could be, are, are you running on all four cylinders? Are, are you stable? Maybe you might mean that emotionally. Are you, are you able to control your thoughts as well as your feelings? Healthy could also mean, are you healthy financially? Do you have all things covered? Are you hitting financial goals? Or are you in want or in debt or living paycheck to paycheck? Health can mean a lot of things in our culture. And when it comes to holiness, Leviticus shows us it's more than just thinking if you're doing bad things. Holiness includes if one is righteous... Holiness also includes if one is whole, physically whole. So when God had given instructions in chapter 11 about their diet, he's saying you're going to eat a diet that is whole, that is set apart. It's going to be distinct. We saw in chapter 12 when a mother gives birth, there's nothing sinful in birthing children. The Bible encourages for us to have children. But after passing a child, a woman is not physically whole. You've seen those little babies. That is a lot for a, ba- for a baby to go through a body. So there is a season in which a woman must place herself aside and become whole as she heals. And we come across this here in Leviticus 13, that there is a sense in when one is not completely whole when their skin is battling with sickness or disease. This chapter can be divided up, chapters 2 through 46, of skin diseases. This is a really fun page turner here. And then verses 47 to 59 deal with mold or mildew in the home. And I love how diverse and different Leviticus 13 is from our New Testament church. If you have an issue with mold in your home, you're not contacting Greg or asking George to come over and inspect your home. Though I am a chaplain and I've started to learn some medical language, uh, we're not setting up an appointment so you can speak with the pastor and ask about different bumps or limps or disfigurements. I haven't a clue and I might pass out. Okay, so it is, it is far different what we find here than what we practice in the New Testament. We're going to be talking about some of these distinctions because they're important. 
one of the main thrusts of me wanting to be in Leviticus is because so many of us want to take Old Testament law and insert it into New Testament life and say, we, we, the law is good. God wrote it. God's perfect. Did he mess up? Did the law expire? No, but, but through the lens of Christ, things dramatically transform. So I am not answering a phone call if you have a rash. Thanks be to God. Let's go ahead and open up to verse 1. We're going to be reading 1 through 46, and then I'll stop. This is going to be a bit lengthy. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When a person has on the skin of his body a swelling or an eruption or a spot, and it turns into a case of leprous disease on the skin of his body, then he shall be brought to Aaron, the priest, or to one of the sons of the priest. And the priest shall examine the diseased area of the skin of his body. And if the hair in the diseased area has turned white, and the disease appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a case of leprous disease. When the priest has examined him, he shall pronounce him unclean. But if the spot is white and the skin of the body uh, of his body and appearance of deeper than the skin, and the hair in it has not turned white, the priest shall shut him up. Sorry, the priest shall shut up the diseased person for seven days. And the priest shall examine him on the seventh day. And if his eyes, and if in his eyes the disease is checked, and the disease has not spread in the skin, then the priest shall shut him up for another seven days. And the priest shall examine him again on the seventh day. And if the disease area has faded and the disease has not spread in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is only an eruption, and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the eruption spreads in the skin after he has shown himself to the priest for his cleanliness, he shall appear again before the priest, and the priest shall look, and if the eruption has spread in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprous disease. When a man is inflicted with a leprous disease, he shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall look. And if there is a white swelling in the skin that has turned the hair white, and there is raw flesh in the swelling, it is a chronic leprous disease in the skin of his body, and the priest shall pronounce him unclean. He shall not shut him up, for he is unclean. And if the leprous disease breaks out in the skin so that the leprous disease covers all the skin of the diseased person from the head to the foot, so far as the priest can see, then the priest shall look And if the leprous disease has covered all his body, he shall pronounce him clean of the disease. It has all turned white, and he is clean. But when a raw flesh appears on him, he shall be unclean. And the priest shall examine the raw flesh and pronounce him unclean. Raw flesh is unclean, for it is a leprous disease. But if the raw flesh covers and turns white again, then he shall come to the priest, and the priest shall examine him. And if the disease has turned white, then the priest shall pronounce the diseased person clean. He is clean. Beloved, I'm going to stop at 17 because my contacts are messing me up a little bit. But I can break this section for us, I think, in a very helpful way. We find in verse 2 through 8 that there is one disease that has minor swells, rashes, or spots. Now, Aaron has been told by the Lord that you are to distinguish between what is holy and common, 
and between clean and unclean in Leviticus 10. So the first out of seven is, Aaron, when you see something swelling or that has a rash or that has a spot, this is how you are to go forward with discernment. Verse 9 through 17 speaks of a, a chronic skin disease. If you have the ESV, it talks about afflicted with a leprous disease. It also can just mention an infection. So this is going to be different. If you see this, this is how I want you to go forward. 18 through 23 deals with boils and scars. We find in verse 24 through 28, burns. 29 through 37, problems of the scalp. 38 through 39, false alarms. Leucoderma, 40 through 44, baldness. That's usually a favorite uh, disease mentioned among Old Testament professors. And the things that they are to do within these seven different skin distinctions are, well, first you look at the skin's appearance. When a person has, or when a man is inflicted, or when a woman has a disease, is usually the tagline given on each of these different Diseases, these skin issues. So first it looks at the appearance. Now, I want to have you think about this. They are in the wilderness, and they are in a culture where people dress very modestly. The majority of your body is covered. So there can be a lot of things going on on your body no one knows about. But one in good faith realizes I can't hide anything from God. So they go to the priest. Sometimes there's this distinction among scholars about the law being divided into three different divisions. You have the moral, the judicial, and the ceremonial. And I I respect those divisions, but I think there's a lot of bleed through to where it's not helpful. Now, let me try and keep your attention here. So there, the, right now, we're in a ceremonial, ceremonial section. It's heavy. This is how you have to be clean and whole physically before God. But there is a lot of moral obligation within the individual. Imagine if you do have a disease and you have to isolate yourself for seven days. And you know you're in a specific category where after those seven days, it might require another seven days. And imagine after those 14 days, then you are told you have to go outside of the camp. It'd just be easy to keep a secret and not mention this. Outside the camp isn't just outside of where the, the tents are set up as they're around their tabernacle, but it is quite a distance That brings a lot of emotional weight. It brings logistical burden on family as they seek to make sure that your needs are met. But they're to be examined by the priest. A third distinction we find in all seven of these is there's a specific symptom on which the priest must base his diagnosis. So he'll say something like, if the hair in the affected area has turned white. So after observing, after some time of 
separation or isolation, then uh, symptoms are recorded. And the fourth is the diagnosis is prescribed. So I know that this is probably interesting to think about as we interact here today. So in my home, we have six little kiddos at the moment. Two of them have a belly that is upset. And last night, they weren't able to control themselves. So Amber is not here today. In the Old Testament times, that means, well, all of our house has to be isolated for a period of time. We can't interact with everyone, but here I am today without seeing a doctor. And is Daniel breaking a code here? I, I don't find stomach bugs in the Levitical law, but I don't know. Why is it that I can be here today? So I think there's some things that we need to think through. One is, go to verse 45 with me. Verse 45 through 46, talk about what happens if someone is unclean and the burden that is placed upon them. The leprous person who has a disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover up his upper lip and cry out, Unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside of the camp. This is one of the greatest curses, punishments, exhortations that could happen for Israel. In our culture, we like a lot of alone time. We like to process things by ourselves. I'm kind of built that way. I like to go home and think about a 15 conversation I had with you for about 20 or 30 minutes. And it's not critical, like me thinking about how awful you are or unintelligent you are. But I just like to think, man, how they said it and how we were able to say it and how we understand each other. That's how I process. I need time to think through the interactions that I have. You might be someone that you just get overwhelmed with people invading your space. In Old Testament times, being alone was awful. Being outside the camp isn't a a me time, period. If God dwells among us in their tabernacle, the God that provided life and deliverance and law is here. That's where I want to be. I want to delight in him. I want to enjoy his protection. I am of his promised people. This is my identity. Likewise, these are the people of God. These are the ones who I worship God with. I want to be reminded of the covenant there. We are with the Lord. I want to celebrate in these feasts and these festivals that point us forward of his promise and of his deliverance and backwards to what he has done. I want to be with them. And this pulls them away from family. Psalms 122.1 says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I love worshiping at WCC. 
One of the big reasons is is because I'm not the main personality. I can be Daniel with some mess-ups here and there. Uh, I'm not the visionary that some of us are. I have a couple of gifts. I don't have to have all the gifts because of plurality of elders. We have gifted deacons and members that pour into and serve one another. So I get to come and I get to enjoy relationship and not be a spokesman or the performer. It's sometimes good to be with those that share the faith and know the goodness of God. And the relationships I share with some of you are closer than some of the relationships I share with family. For we are like-minded in the faith. Israel has this experience with one another. They are growing as Moses is leading them through the wilderness. And the Lord is revealing himself and protecting them and providing for them. And to be away is overwhelming. I took note last time Jeff preached, quoting Hebrews 10.25. Let us not neglect the meeting together as the habit of some. But encourage one another, and all the more as we see the day draw near. When the author of Hebrews writes of us coming together, he gives examples of how we are to interact and fellowship. Not just come to hear one person speak. But, but in the context when the author of Hebrews is writing, it mentions how we are to dialogue and interact with one another. So today our numbers are a little bit scarce with vacation, but this week my phone was blown up with text messages. Though people are going to vacation or on vacation, I'm getting questions about like different sound booths or how people's families are doing, who's sick, who wants to get together for tacos, fun stuff going on all the time. This is, this is what a church should be like. We should love to fellowship with one another. This should be our aim. This is our blessing. And if you have a desire to pull away, If you have a desire to hide, that is not healthy. It's not healthy. Going forward in verse 47 through 59, we speak about mold or mildew. I'll probably read to about verse 52. I'm going to try and give these contexts another chance. When there is a case of leprous disease in a garment whether a woolen or a linen garment, in wrap or woof of linen or wool, or in the skin or in any made of skin, if the disease is greenish or reddish in the garment or the skin or the wrap or the woof or in the article made of skin, it is a case of leprous disease and that shall be shown to the priest. And the priest shall examine the disease and shut up that which has the disease for seven days. Then he shall examine the disease on the seventh day. If the disease has spread in the garment, in the wrap or in the wolf, or in the skin, whatever be the use of the skin, the disease is a persistent leprous disease. It is clean. And, that shall be, and, and he shall burn the garment or the warp or the woof, the wool or the linen, or any article made of skin that is diseased. For it is a persistent leprous disease It shall be burned by fire. Verse 53 through 59 mention that you cannot, you don't just have to burn everything. So in some cases, so we read 47 through 52, in that case, whatever that item is 
how it's holding on to leprosy and how it's spreading, it needs to be burned. However, there are some that if you wash it and it does not return, well, then it's clean, it's for your use. And then in some cases, they live in a day and age where not everyone can just go to Walmart or Abercrombie and Finch. Is that still around? Um, you can't just pull something off the rack and get a new one. You'd have to use what you had. So in some cases, you would wash, and if only that one place remained contaminated, you just cut it out, you sew around it, and you're able to use it again, and it is clean. So what's the application for this? Well, let me tell you, beloved, uh, that is tough. Because I believe this speaks, one, of something very practical in wisdom. Nations would come to the book of Leviticus, Leviticus and say, wow, that's a really wise way for someone to live out their life, the way in which they isolate themselves or treat their utensils or their clothing. But there's also a, a theological significance here. When we come to the New Testament, we often think about how yeast symbolizes sin. Disease, or when one lacks wholeness of body, that also can communicate spiritual unwholeness, sin. We have to be careful here. Some commentaries will take all the seven skin diseases and then try and connect it to a specific sin here. And I don't think we have license to do so. But I think as they reflect on having a skin disease, this reminds them, why do we have diseases in the first place? Because of the fall. Because of our shortcoming. And because of sin. So how are we supposed to deal with diseases? How are we supposed to deal with sin? We're supposed to go to the priest. We're not supposed to isolate. A pastoral word I want to say in this is have room in your theology for sickness. Have room in your theology, your idea of religion and of life with God, of earth, that sickness dwells in it. If you are in a hospital bed asking, God, why? And I encourage you to ask God why. Know some of the answers behind it. One overwhelming one is because we live in a broken world. It is disheartening to see someone in their 90s asking why. Beloved, we all come from Adam, our days are numbered. Not everything has a connection to a particular thing you did or a person you know. God hasn't forgotten you. God hasn't broken his promises. Consider his servant Job, a righteous man who is laid on his back with disease and pain, who has lost his home, who has lost his servants, who has lost his children and only has a wife left that dares him to curse God. Consider the several women in the Bible that are barren and crying and waiting for God's promise and at times feel humiliated by their surroundings. Remember those women. Did God forget them? Think about Paul. Bold, righteous Paul. 
He he wakes up, he gets flogged, he gets whipped, he eats his Wheaties, and then he keeps going and evangelizing people. He had a thorn in the flesh. Timothy even had an unsettled stomach. This is something that will visit you. You might get to avoid the skin disease, but beloved, if sickness visits your home, if death takes a loved one from you, have space in your theology to know bad things happen and this is not the best life. Hold on to this life, but not too tightly. Better is definitely on the other side. I also want to encourage you to hold on to prayer when sick. Turn to Psalm 6 real quick, if you will. I'm not used to this Bible. There are certain prayers recorded in the Psalms for those that are sick. And I simply want to read this Psalms, 10 verses. Oh Lord... Rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who will give you praise? I am weary with my mourning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. For the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed. And greatly troubled, they shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. You might want to mark Psalm 6 if you're dealing with physical issues right now or discouragement. Psalms 38 says in verse 5, it mentions of one sick, my wounds stick and fester. Verse 6, I am utterly bowed down and prostrate all the day I go about mourning. Verse 7, for my sighs are filled with burning and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and crushed. I groan because of the tumult of my heart. In verse 10, it records, my heart throbs, my strength fails me and the light of my eyes, it also has gone from me. But in 21, it ends, Do not forsake me, O Lord, O my God. Be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my Savior. I want to encourage you to pray. 
and to not stop praying in times of sickness and discouragement. And then an important thing we're going to be revisiting quite a bit in Leviticus is to present yourself before Christ. They were told to go to the priests and not keep it secret. In the New Testament, we're told to go to Christ. Remember the leprous man that asked Jesus, if you are willing, you are able to make me clean. Matthew, Mark, and Luke record this individual because this leprous man breaks all the rules. He leaves the wilderness. He goes to the center of the town and he asks, please make me clean. And this is where Jesus is far greater than Aaron. Aaron and the priests would not touch an individual until after many days of them being isolated and quarantined. After sacrifice was made, then contact before the leprous man is healed, Jesus chooses to touch him. He is far greater. He says, I am willing and able to be clean. Another pastoral application I want to ask us to do is revisit the law with Christ. So many times when we come to our Old Testament, we want to be very zealous and bring on these old laws. Revisit them, but do so with Christ. Christ's ministry transformed the law, ceremony, ritual, and our understanding of what God loves and values how many times did jesus sit down with the scholars and say have you not heard have you not understand do you not know in one of the home visits that the elders have done we have been asked before to anoint someone's knee with oil we didn't have hyssop pigeons or goats in the room when we did this we just took oil in obedience to james chapter 5 we anointed the knee, knowing we are not doctors, knowing fire might not come down from heaven. But what we did in that act is we prayed for the individual, we set that concern apart, and we gave it into God's hands. 1 John 3 teaches that a way in which we can care and minister to one another is that we connect love of neighbor to love of God. How can we say that we love God, yet are not concerned with the welfare of those around us? Present yourself to Christ. Let us bow in prayer. True and living God, I thank you so much that through Christ we are made clean. Father, I thank you that though if we were to answer if we're healthy or not, we don't have to worry, Father, where we stand physically, mentally, emotionally, financially. We can say that those who believe in Christ are whole. We thank you so much for the great high priest you have given us. We pray that we would not be prone to hide ourselves that we would not encourage one another to, to secretly heal ourselves, but that we would come to you and that we would be examined, 
that we would be honest, that we would be transformed. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.